Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico from the Made in China podcast and Source Find Asia YouTube channel, uh, Source Find Asia manufacturing consulting company. I am currently based in Nantong, China. I'm on a rooftop of a factory. Like, for real, I'm on a rooftop of a factory. I'll probably have a video. I think I'm going to record a video tomorrow. Flying out to the Philippines tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night through Shanghai. And I'll be there for about seven days. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, you know, maybe record a couple of videos while, while I'm there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't really have... I apologize if there's background noise because this is probably the quietest place I could find in the factory. But I had to record this intro to get the podcast out on time. So, yeah, in this episode, I had a chance to interview a good friend of mine, Leonie. Um, she's originally from Indonesia, but she uh, moved to the States for school and uh, has traveled a lot. She's got a very interesting family background, super interesting person. She's one of my good friends here in China. Um, and we, we hang out quite frequently, get shisha together and drinks and such. And uh, we have a lot of mutual friends. And uh, I think the thing that brought us together was business. Um, just her interest, she's, she's an entrepreneur. Obviously, I'm an entrepreneur. And I think initially it was just like, her wanting to pick my brains and then you know we just kind of clicked as friends so what's really cool and different is she's launched a crowdfunding campaign or has already launched a crowdfunding campaign there's a link in the description to the pre-launch page um it's a sex story that's that's i guess that's the interesting part is that it's a sex story i don't i don't know if i've ever spoken extensively about these kind of subjects on the podcast there's it's usually a business focused podcast even when um even when we do some of the more social stuff, uh, it's it's not as it's not as um, I guess explicit is the word I'm looking for. So yeah, actually, you know, uh, listener, be warned. There is some explicit content in this podcast, like just basically describing how the sex toy works and you know the, the you know the benefits of it and all that stuff. So if you, if that stuff is gonna make you feel uncomfortable, then you probably shouldn't listen to this episode. But yeah, you know, she's launching a crowdfunding campaign for the sex toy. Uh, she's, it's an original design. They took uh, products that kind of already existed and then completely redesigned them. They, her engineering team made their own molds, it, and, you know, their own prototypes and also molds. Took it to the factory. Like it's a very, they've done. It's a very, very well uh, executed plan so far. And I think the crowdfunding campaign is going to be just as good. So very interesting episode. Um, I think the benefits of listening to this podcast would be, you know, how to develop a product from scratch with a team in China, putting together the team, and then, you know, going into the pre-launch phase of a crowdfunding campaign. All right, cheers. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Um, so yeah, let's start at the beginning. What uh, what brought you to China? So when I first decided to come to China, I thought I was going to help my family because my family had a business where they made some products here in China. Mm-hmm. However, because our business is in Southeast Asia, over the years, it was not that profitable anymore because the production costs got a little bit more expensive. 
mm-hmm. it's actually much cheaper to produce in Indonesia. That's why I decided to do my own business. That's okay. when I kind of like change. And then you didn't want to you didn't want to go to Indonesia. No, okay. I didn't want to go to Indonesia. <laughs> Because yeah, it's like, if they started making the products in Indonesia, then most people would have been like, okay, right, right. But I mean, like, yeah, no, no. I had some experiences there. I, it's, I don't really enjoy working in Indonesia. Okay. So then, what did you start doing after the, the family business stuff um, kind of shut or slowed down? Kind in of China? slowed down. So at the beginning, okay, well, like I was doing, like, I teach, I mean, I taught English like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started getting into, like, It's like English teaching, but I also did like corporate training. So I work for like some of the um, Fortune 500 companies. I did training for like presentation, negotiation and stuff like that. Um, through that, actually, I made a lot of contacts and I started networking with people. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned a lot from these people and like I met several people through them. And actually, that's one of the reasons why I'm here now, because... I met someone through one of my contacts, through one of my students. Yeah. And um, she introduced me to this guy who was doing sex toy products because when she mentioned it to me, I told her, well, it was really interesting. I'm interested. So she introduced me to him and we started talking. Mm. So, so I, it's funny that you bring that up in terms of the whole teaching thing because I always talk about how when you're in China and you're building connections in China, you don't know where certain things are going to lead you. And I think a big mistake that people make, especially the dudes who come in or the women that come and start teaching English or they do these jobs that are going to make them a little bit of money uh, while they're waiting to start their big business is they just don't take it seriously and you know they show up to work late. late. And yeah. you know, they just don't put any effort in. Right. And, but for me, I remember, like I mean, I was teaching for a year and um <laughs> after three months they voted me teacher of the year no that's exactly what happened to me <laughs> yeah. like, you know because yeah. my students really liked me yeah. right and it was quite interesting because at the beginning actually it was quite difficult for me to find the job because i look asian yeah. you know how like in china they prefer someone who's caucasian mm. um however when i joined the company and i started having clients after the first class or the second class they would keep asking for me and actually because they liked how i teach yeah Then that's how they start referring me to like friends and you know like contacts. Yeah, and, and it's it's just effort. Like, and I think uh, there's a there's a thing that I have on my my WhatsApp is like how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. So I I just like that worked, and then um, my first interns that that for SFA were from were my students, you know, oh. like and <laughs> and they wanted to work for me for free. Right. It was like you know I had a three month six month intern. One of them became my first. Full-time employee, right? Um, and then also, I had a business partner that I met through the school as well that helped me. It still helps me today find factories. So it's like you just don't know where that stuff is going to lead. Like if you, and then if you're not, if you're not actively putting in an effort, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna see those results, right? right. So right. Just an important lesson I think for anybody that plans on coming to China is like there's going to be some things that you do that you think aren't important, but you don't know where it's gonna it's gonna lead you. Right. So, so then you found this contact. Uh, you start talking about the sex toys thing. When do you? Because I know you you were interested in, or you were still interested in, um, you know, oil and, and things like that. Like, yeah. so you, you had your hands in, in quite a few different things. When do you decide? Okay, like I really want to take making this sex toy uh, seriously. And then how do you? 
Like, I mean, this guy's making sex toys. How did you guys come up with a different design or, you know, because you're, you're making an original product, right? Right. I mean, it was, it was totally like two different things, right? But at the beginning when I was doing commodities, yep. there was like a lot of challenges, especially in 2016, 2017. Yep. Because like the government regulation changed and especially if you work with like the Chinese companies and stuff, the government changed the regulation every year. And the price of oil at the time was like very, very low. So it was really difficult to find sources and to actually like sell anything. Mm -hmm. And I realized one thing, like you can't depend on like a business or something that you cannot control, if that makes sense. So, I mean, if that's your passion, you should still pursue that. However, I think you should focus more on something that you can control, right? And I mean, during this time, I did a little bit of trading here and there, but due to like the economy situation, like Southeast Asia and market and stuff like that is also quite difficult. So I decided, okay, so what can I do that I can control, right? So making a product, obviously, if your product is good and your product is better than other products in the market, you can control that. And maybe the consumers or the users would be interested, right? So that's when I decided, okay, let me think what I was going to do. But when I met um, these two guys, actually, like my teammates, um, we talked about it since the beginning of 2017. It wasn't until the end of 2017 we actually started doing like the work. At the beginning of 2017, we started talking about, okay, what kind of product we wanted to do. You know, We started thinking, okay, maybe we would do like this type of prototypes or what kind of Um, toys that we're going to do, you know, are we going to do vibrators? Are we going to do dildos? What are we going to do? Um, then when we decided, you know, they were still doing something else, you know, I was still doing something else. So we didn't really, really start. Yeah. It was not until the end of 2017, we actually got together and said, okay, let's, let's do this. So that's, that's when we started. Yeah. Okay. And then, so, I mean, I guess just describe the product. Then, then, then we can sort of reverse engineer from there. Right. So um, the product is basically like a dual stimulation vibrator. So most of the time, if you see the vibrator in the market, it's either um, stimulating your clit, like your C spot or your G spot. But for our product, it's going to be stimulating both. <laughs> Don't laugh. It's functional, you know? Yeah, no, And, no. It's just you said I'm stimulating your, I'm like, no. My, no. <laughs> Not your, I mean the women's, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's, It's ergonomic, right? Okay. It's ergonomically designed like to fit women's body. At the same time, if you are a man who would like to get your prostate stimulated, you can do it too because um, the product is basically bendable. So you can put it <laughs> to your prostate and you, know, you bend the tail and it's going to uh, vibrate on the testicles. So it's, it's basically multifunction, but... Um, another thing also, um, we're, we're trying to make this product um, controllable through the distance. So you can use our remote control that looks like a ring. So you can use it in the room when you're playing with your partner or you can use your phone and, you know, so using software. So for example, because all of us in the team, we're all travelers, right? right. And you are a traveler. So you know how, how the challenge is, right? It's like, like we always date people far away, you know, like your boyfriend is in who knows which country and, you know, you want to stay intimate with this person. Yep. So you can play, you know, like your boyfriend can have the app in the phone, you know, and like you can use the toy and he can control you from far away. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is futuristic because I remember I was watching this documentary that was talking about relationships because they were talking about online dating, how online dating has evolved and all this stuff. So they're talking about how 
you know, people look at online dating now and they feel like it, it creates a distance because, you know, you're texting, you're not talking to people on the phone anymore. Or like there was a sentiment like 10 years ago that it was creating a distance, 15 years ago that it was creating. Now we have, you know, WhatsApp and, and Skype and, and FaceTime and all this stuff. So it's, we can, it's allowing it to be a little bit more intimate rather than just hop in on a call. You can actually see your partner and, and you know, do whatever it is that you want to do. Play. If you, if you, if you miss them. <laughs> and then they were talking about how uh, virtual reality and, and uh, yeah, VR and AR is going to come into play with that. And one of the things that they showed was like this company, I think it was in Japan. Of course, it's always in Japan. <laughs> There's this company. That's their market. <laughs> in, ja- in Japan that was creating this like, um, it was like a mouth that you could you could kiss. Yeah. And it would simulate like so. Your partner would have another, would have one of them, and you have one of them, oh, yeah, and then it I would simulate. Yeah, it would simulate like how your partner kisses or whatever. And or there was one where you could hug it, and then it would hug you back, right. and it was like while your partner's. So they're talking about eventually you would be able to, you know, have something where you. you it's essentially it's not obviously hundred percent your partner, but it's as close right. to to being intimate as you can be without being in the same place at the same time. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, it does It does make a lot of sense. Now, the question that I have is like, you guys came up with that product. Was there a similar product that you saw and you said, we can improve this? Mm-hmm. Or was it just, you know, out of, how did how did the idea even come about? Right, so basically, the we call this industry teledildonics. So in the teledildonics market, there's already maybe like three pretty big companies, three or four. One of them is actually pretty similar to the other, but they just try to market their product as luxury. Mm-hmm. Um, the three of them, I mean, their products are basically quite similar, like their vibrators or their dildos, and then they have like some software to control them. Um, however, like most of these products, I think there is some issues with them. Like a lot of them have like Bluetooth connection problems. Sometimes they have some battery issues, right? And um, I guess the, the, the idea came about when we realized, for example, when you're playing with a toy, yeah? And suddenly, in the middle of pleasing yourself, suddenly it stopped. Like either the Bluetooth connection doesn't connect or like the software doesn't work or suddenly it froze. It's the worst thing ever because like I know some people will think like, okay, it's not that bad. No, no, no. It's really bad. Like when, you, <laughs> when you're in the middle of something and you're like, okay, what's going on? It doesn't work. Let me try it again. It doesn't work. So that's, I, I guess like a lot of these like, Hardware problem needs to be fixed, right? But at the same time also, there's a big issue that that appeared, I think, like last year. Like there's some privacy issues that came up like with these companies. I'm not sure exactly why. I think they didn't even realize. Um, Some of their software recorded the users and um, recorded, like they know the account of the users and then they recorded like the activities and the sounds. So some of the software involved... Right. You being able to communicate with your partner. With other people, yeah. So and then it started recording right. them while they're doing like the voice. Yes. And also yeah. like when someone was, for example, when someone was like pleasing themselves or something. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure, but like they're using the Bluetooth connection, right? Yeah. And they have an account in that particular platform. So somehow like these people are able to collect information and like the voice of these people that were doing things, which is really ridiculous. So... Actually, for our first launch right now, like what we're doing, we are not, um, we're not creating a platform where you can sign up with your name and email. You don't need to do that. For our platform, we're simply going to give, for example, if I'm going to use it, I'm going to, for example, connect my toy with um, the app and yeah. I can send a link. 
I can send a link to my partner or to someone that I wanted to play with, and then they can just go to that link and we're going to be in the same room. However, like there is no need to use, you know, like any any email, any names or anything that will invade my privacy. So that way it's very convenient. And you can play with whomever you want. <laughs> There's no trace, right? Yeah. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that I think that the recording of somebody else doing something against their their permission obviously is not correct. But I think that in terms of them having their name being registered, because they're buying it online anyways, they, they ought to use their own credit card. And stuff right, like that. Right. I think most people who buy sex toys are not concerned about that necessarily, but they yeah, would be concerned. But... They would be concerned that they're being recorded. You know, doing intimate stuff. Right. Like, they right. Would definitely I think that's, that. yeah. That is but in terms of like, uh, okay, so I bought a sex toy, my name is attached. Okay, what, you know, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Sure, that is true. That is true. Um, but yeah, but yeah, being recorded is, <laughs> that's is, quite is stressful, I mean, right? I mean, unless, unless, unless you're into it. <laughs> no, come on. It's, it's quite ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. When we found out, we're like, what the hell is that? Like, yep. come on, it's dangerous. Well, then what, what did the, do you know what the company said? Well, I mean, like, obviously... Or do you know any of the names of the companies? Because maybe I want to link up... Uh, sure, sure. Like, Levens. It's Le- Basically, it happened to Levens. Levens is a pretty okay. big company. The so, problem is... So I'll link up the story in the show. Right, notes. yeah. I, don't, I really don't think that... I mean, I honestly don't think that any company would do that on purpose. Yeah. It's just some bugs that they didn't okay. anticipate. But there's a lot of things that these companies well, didn't I mean, why anticipate. Were they, why, were they, why were they record... Well, why did they even have the capabilities to record the stuff in the first place? I have no like, idea. That's the, that's, the, that's the first question you want to know. Is right. like, okay, why are... Them allowing you to communicate with somebody else doesn't mean that they have to be, have the, the right. ability to record right. it. That means that they had a plan. <laughs> Maybe they were recording the information for internal research purposes. That could be. Because I mean, that's that what a lot of be. that's what a lot of these companies do is they, they right. record. Right, but that's just not right. right. Come on. That's well, but right. what are you gonna do? Like, this is your. These are your users, right? Like, it's sure. what Facebook does. It's what Instagram does. It's what all any company does. Is like, right. The the way to improve your product is to find out how your users are interacting with the product. Sure. Yeah. But not by recording when they're using your toy. <laughs> that's, unless, I just think that's really wrong. Well, unless they consent to it. If they consent <laughs> exactly. to it. Exactly. But anyways, exactly. yeah, that's that, that's a complicated. That's that's the reason why this industry is like a complicated thing because it's it's a such an intimate thing that most people don't feel comfortable talking about. But you know, like the funny thing was actually if you I don't know if you if you realize this, but a lot a lot of people don't know that actually the sex toy industry is not heavily regulated. Yeah. So a lot of toys, if you buy like cheap toys that is not reputable, you don't know if the toys are actually toxic or not. Like okay. I learned about if this. If they're not safe or anything. Yeah, if they're safe or they're not safe, you know, because there is no regulation well, around that. Does it depend on the country? Because I know that like there's certain things when you're importing products to the U.S., for example, mm-hmm. if it's going to be a product that is used in a medical way, or you know, you're gonna apply it to certain areas of your body, whether it's makeup or um, you know, what, oh, it's gonna be something that touches food. Like there are some basic requirements that that need to be met. I just don't know if they're necessarily inspecting those products like that. But. So that's that's exactly what it is. Like I think for sex toy in particular, they didn't actually check. That's the thing. You I, like you need to know what your sex toy is made of. Yeah. So for example, for our product, we use the medical grade silicone, so it's really really good. Like there will never be like toxicity. There will be like no problem with porousness I don't know if you know what that is like so a lot of the toys that are not very expensive they're made of like gel or jelly things so these things it can actually 
it can melt or like it can absorb some kind of bacteria and it will stay there. You can't actually wash it off. Okay. You know, so yeah, it's, it's something to think about. And especially the toys that you put up to your um, anus. So <laughs> I'm like trying to find the right word for that. Like if you put it up your anus, like these toys have to be made of like a really good quality silicone or it has to be made of like glass or even metal because otherwise it can absorb the dirt, the virus, the bacteria that is up there and it will not go away. So you see, I'm telling you now, so don't use it, Rico. <laughs> use, use a medical grade, you know, silicone product. I have no comments. Safety. <laughs> Safety first. I have no comments about that. Um, so, so basically what you're saying is what you've done with the product is you've, what about the actual design and like the function of the product? Is, right. it, the, is it similar to to other products that are there, or no? We, it sounds like what you're saying is you you looked at the problems with the existing products, and then you're saying we need to improve the hardware. Right, right. And with the design, way. also we try to improve them because um, a lot of the vibrators nowadays in the market is either it's either you I've mentioned that before. It's either you uh, stimulate one point or another, right? Or if there's possibility for you to somewhat work it out in the two points in in those clitoris and G spot, mm -hmm. it's usually bulky. You can't really wear it out of your home, right? So the idea of the whole thing is like you want a toy that is functional, um, that can please you in the best way possible, and at the same time is wearable. Like you can, you know, you can be in the meeting room and someone can control you somewhere. There will be no noise. It's going to be very, very like quiet, right? And yet it has a really powerful motors. And the thing is, with our product, we have two points, right? Like one point is to stimulate the clitoris and the other point is to stimulate the G-spot. Now, both points can be controlled separately. So if you want to start with a little teasing, you know, like control, you can start teasing the clit, you know, like <laughs> with a little vibration before you get to the G spot, right? Before you get a little bit stronger. So we just try to like think about creative ways where women can really actually enjoy the whole thing. So let's talk like you, your team. How did you formulate the team and then who was responsible for what? For what? Okay, so basically we have several people in our, uh, in our team. We have one guy, uh, Jose, he's doing the software and then he also does a lot of the organization, like overall organization. He's almost like CEO of our company. He divides tasks and stuff, you know, like in our company. And also he does, like all of us does the product design actually. We all came up with the product design together. Yeah. Um, and then we have uh, another guy, um, Mark. So Mark actually he did like the 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 technical part like the hardware part he designed um, the so product he's, itself. He's, a, he's an industrial designer. He, he is an industrial designer. Like yeah, so he did our um, very first like prototypes, um, and then he worked with like all the IT stuff also. So him and uh, Jose worked together. Um, we have another guy AK, so he does more like our social media marketing. Um, I'm basically doing like everything that is more related to like the business. So I'm doing like a lot of the copywriting thing and then I do media press. I do like business plan also and I'm contacting a lot of like our wholesale customer. So who, who found the factory? Um, so basically Mark and Jose has been in the industry for a while. They've been doing sex toys with a larger uh, company before. However, they decided to separate themselves and start this company. So when we all got together, we decided that, you know, like we're going to work with some factories here in Guangdong area. And they've known some of these factories before. For a long time. Yeah. So do you know whether your product is being made? I mean, obviously there's multiple parts to it. There's, there's electronics, there's circuitry, there's mm -hmm. 
the, the medical grade silicone. So is it a situation where you guys are working with multi- multiple suppliers or do you have one factory that's helping you deal with the other? Well, like honestly, like if the order, we have like one or two main factories that we will be working with. Yeah. Um, however, if the order is going to be pretty big, then it will have to be more than one. So so the two factories, like, are they doing the exact same thing? Or is it... They're doing sex toys, yeah. They're doing sex they're doing, toys. Especially, yeah. they're doing sex toys. So they're they're going to be responsible for yeah. sourcing all the different right. internal parts. Right, internal parts and, and materials. They also, they also put it together themselves. Yeah, in, yeah. and they've done several, uh, they've done similar thing for other products also. Okay. And I think the good thing about, about some of these factories, I think if you know how to pick the right factories, right? Um, they're really, how do I say this? Like they respect your privacy also. As yeah. in like, I know some of these factories did some products for like a really big brand. Yeah. And I remember they were, to- uh, they were telling us like someone else came to the factory and said, hey, I want this exact brand. And then they told us, uh, they told them like, no, we don't, we don't, we cannot produce that brand. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you if you work with, um, I mean, it helps when when the brand is a big brand because they don't want they don't want to fuck yeah. up their money. Sure. But uh, <laughs> there are definitely factories that do respect the, the relationship that right. they have with the client, and if they sign like an NDA or, or a non compete clause, they don't want to they, they don't want to break it. Yeah, I think know? that's really important, yeah. especially if you're like a startup company. So yeah. you're like you're really. I mean, sometimes you're concerned about these things, right? Like, well, I mean, that's why I, I mean I talk about it all the time on the podcast and my YouTube videos and stuff. It's like you you have to spend. It's a it's it's something that people underestimate is like how important that relationship is with the factory. With the factory, so it's yeah. not it's not the same as the West, where you you might not even have a relationship with the companies that right. you work with. It's just all business because we're just you know okay, you do your thing, I do my thing, here's right. a contract, and that's it. But right. here you, you go to yes. Maybe sign a contract, but the relationship's more important than, it's important, than yeah. the contract, you know? So, I think so. Um, so, okay, so you got the factory in place, and then do you have to create any molds? Yeah, yeah, we did. We did, because it's a totally different yeah. product. And how long did that take? Oh, like a few months, because we were trying to figure out at the beginning, like the size, yep. you know, the, the proper size to hit the G spot properly. And then, you know, if you see our product, actually, there's like a rigged part, mm. the rigged part of the head you know, that will hit the G-spot. That was designed, like, to hit the G-spot properly. So, like, it took a little bit of, like, trial and error to figure out, like, you know, the best size and then the shape also because the tail, like, there's two sides, right? The tail that will hit the clit. Also, you have to figure out, like, how long that is and then, like, the best width for that product. And actually, this is, like, our first product, right? In in our next generation, um, we already start thinking about, okay, so what else? what other toys we can do, you know, like to, you know, pleasure people even more. (laughs) I I don't think you said the name of the company. Oh, Lavash. L-O-V-A-C-H. Yeah, Lavash. So, uh, okay, so you had to make the molds. What were some of the issues you had in terms of practicality, like design, like not, not, not the issues in terms of figuring out what works best, but like actual manufacturing stuff. Like what, what issues did you have with the factory or? I mean, at the beginning, like, because, you know, it's a totally new product, right? Yeah. Like, so I think for everyone who wants to come up with something that is totally new, I would advise 
finding like a good industrial engineer. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word. Yeah, because like it's impossible to go to the factory. And at the beginning, I thought I could just go to the factory and said, hey, I wanted to make this product. You know, like, can you please like show me, maybe like create several different yeah, molds, factory is, you know? The factory is not going to design stuff. Like they wouldn't do that. And also like it's so expensive to create like just like a mold, a mold you know? Yeah. So you have to know for sure what kind of mold you're looking for. Like what's the size? How is it going to look like? Yeah, you want to do as much work up front before right. you go to the before factory. you go to the yeah, factory. You be ideally going to the factory with like your designs ready, maybe right. even a sample. You know, right. like you, you want to be going to them at that stage, and then seeing what they can improve on. The, yeah. the factories are never going to want to design something for you, like, and if they do design it for you, they'll charge you a ton of money to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. and it's also just not a good idea to have the factory design it because unless you just don't have any other options. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want the factory to feel like they made the product themselves. Right. And then they're going to market it as theirs. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> like, we, we designed this thing. You know? so right. It's just better if you do everything up. And then just from a communication standpoint, like if you have somebody else who's an industrial designer who speaks English and right. you know, yeah. is maybe from the same culture as you or at least understands your culture, like it's just going to be easier to communicate all the, yeah. all the requirements. Right? Yeah, sure. So, okay, so you went, initially your, your approach was like, let me go to the factory and then you figured out that doesn't that didn't work. So then you found right. Mark, is it? No, no, no. Mark has been there. But like at the beginning we were thinking, okay, you know, instead of like doing all this crazy work, you know, like doing yeah. everything from the scratch, maybe we can talk to the factory and yeah. get them to do something, you know. But then we realized it's so expensive, it's impossible. So then, then, so then, then we started doing everything by ourselves manually, actually. So did you guys, <laughs> at what stage did you guys actually go approach the factories? Um, we did it after we created our mold, like our own mold, the physical mold. Oh, so he, mold. he made a mold himself? He made the mold so he himself made, he made with like the a, silicone. He made like a temporary mold. Exactly. Like we so did he like was a able to make design. a sample as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we did like a 3D design, you know, like a, a real thing. We tried to use like that's, all that's these. A, that's pretty advanced. Thing inside. Yeah, because I mean, he he's done this before. Right. No, I mean, it's also it's just not easy to do that. So he made a he made a temporary mold, right. made some samples, and you go to the factories. Right. What did the factories say about the design? Did they say, okay, no, this needs to be changed, or like obviously? You know, no, they're they're fine. They're, they're fine, fine because I mean, I think they're quite used to use uh, doing sex toy. They just yeah. want to know exactly like what's what's the the thing that you want from the toy. And then from there, did you guys have the factory make their own samples? Uh, yeah. And so, were there any issues there? I mean, at the beginning, yeah. And also, like, because we want the product to be able, how do I explain this? It has to be bendable and it has yep. to be bendable to, like, a straight point, right? Yep. So, at the beginning, they came up with a product where, like, and there is similar product in the market where, like, it's still forming, like, a certain shape, like a V or a U. It's very uncomfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. And we already told them, no, we want a certain type of material inside so that it, it can actually go straight. Yep. Because, you know, you, you want it to be able to be played in many different ways, you know? like okay. <laughs> So it has to be bendable in many different ways. And then also um, the motor, right? So we asked them for, like, a certain... I guess, motor, like the machines that you put inside and it yeah. was really loud at the beginning, you know, like, and then they have to change it, you know, so. Uh, from your estimation, how many iterations of samples do you, you think you guys went to before you were like, okay, this is the sample that we um, want? I think it was like, when they gave us the first one, it was like two or three products, right? But then it went through like maybe two or three times. Like it's not, re it really is not that difficult. Like the... Well, I'm just, I'm just I'm yeah. saying for practicality's sake, because this is the stuff that I tell people, but they don't 
maybe they don't believe me. They don't believe you. No, it, it takes time. And I think, you know, actually before I was doing a sex toy, I was doing promotional products. Yeah. Even something as simple as printing something on the pan yeah. will take sometimes like more Yeah, I mean, I'm going, I'm going through this issue with, with one of my clients right now. I think I was, I was talking to you about it a little bit last, was it last week? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just like I was, I told her, it's like, this is a normal process. Like sometimes you think because you gave the factory like this simple instruction with a right. sample saying, do this, right. copy this, that the first sample they make is going to be It's going to exactly, be perfect, no. No, it's like, okay, you yeah. then have to go back to them and be like, no, uh, the color is slightly off and then all oh, the material, is, you know, and then they need to make another one. And even that one might not be... 100% there, yeah. but as long as you're making yeah. improvements every time. No, I've had like a really yeah. weird experience actually a long time ago. So the factory, it was from my brother. The yeah. factory sent like um, the virtual proof, right? And the virtual proof for this particular brand is lacking one letter. <laughs> and my brother just forwarded that to the customer. And my brother, he didn't check. He just yeah. forwarded to the customer and the customer, he didn't think. He just, okay, approximately was okay. So he said fine, yeah. and then the factory actually like created they, all the they, products they with they the same it, yeah. with the same thing, and then like you know we just shipped it, and then my customer got so yes, so yeah. angry. <laughs> yeah, and you gotta yeah, and then like, come on, you didn't gotta, check, yeah, you know? no, that it's every step of the process, like the. The agent needs to check. The customer needs to check. Right, like everybody, right. Everybody and if you sign on that virtual proof paper, then it means you it's, agree. It's done, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or the, sometimes they'll ask for the, the email confirmation. And right. If you don't, like if you email confirm a contract or whatever, like, you know, like right. if, if it's not correct at the end, you're not going to get a refund from them. Yeah. Um, so what was I saying? Oh, so you went through about three iterations of, of the samples. Right. So at that stage, you have the samples, you're confident the factory can make it, what stage do you start thinking, okay, how do we actually bring this to market? Um, we've always thought that we would want to do crowdfunding just yeah. for the marketing sake of it. Mm. So okay. after the whole thing… Was there any concern with it being a sex toy, uh, you know, doing a crowdfunding campaign or no? No, because a lot of the sex toy company actually, the one that went viral, started yeah. off from Indiegogo. So are you so. basically trying to reverse engineer what they right. did? Right, what they did, yeah. yeah. And then… What do you think? What do you think made those other sex stories more successful in, in, in crowdfunding? Hey, what's up, guys? We will return to regular scheduled program shortly, but I just wanted to let you know about a new service that we just launched. It's a design for manufacturing service. We've hired a very, very fantastic industrial designer who has experience working with uh, doing DFM for South American manufacturers as well as Chinese manufacturers. And I think our rates are pretty reasonable in comparison to what you'd get if you're working with a company based in the US just because of labor costs, right? Um, yeah, so what we can now do, what SSA is now capable of doing is taking a crudely drawn item, product idea on a napkin, you drew it drunk in a bar or something like that, and then taking it into 2D, uh, giving you recommendations on the bill of materials and taking you into 3D and CAD and having that formatted specifically for manufacturers, right? So we're doing a beta launch at the moment. Um, official launch date is June 4th for the beta launch. Um, for anybody that gets in before the beta launch, there will be a special discount. Uh, so if you want more details, 
go to the website and shoot me an email that's rico at sourcefinasia.com r-i-c-o at sourcefinasia.com and just say dfm service in the subject line cheers during crowdfunding um i think it's just honestly i do think it's just features yeah yeah because like the first um the first one that i know that was pretty big was it's called omnibot so there's one company that's called omnibot they came up with like um like a, a vibrating panties type of thing so like basically vibrating penny? panties yeah panties, so they came so up with the panties no, I've, heard, I've heard of it yeah, that's yeah and then you slip the toy and then it's going to basically stimulate your clit which is really big and okay. it's it has like a really short um battery life but it's pretty good at the beginning right because it's also a long distance thing okay and um they first when they first came up in uh indiegogo right there's a lot of people supporting them because i mean it's something new and then um levance came up with something somewhat a little bit different but um their product is stimulating mostly the g-spot and they're targeting people who would want to play with like cam girls and stuff so i mean that's something else that's a that's a little different difference yeah. right yeah. so Okay, so when are you launching your campaign? Um, it's going to be at the end of November. End of November. So right now we're going to uh, we're going to do our pre-launch. I think tomorrow should be right. So if you guys want to do pre-order, you're more than welcome. You get some pre-launch um, benefits. What are the benefits? Packages. It's going to be like fifty percent off. You know, you might get our condoms also <laughs> to try. So that's 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 so like if uh, we have the pre-launch link in on the show notes, right? Um, so you you decided on Kickstarter or Indiegogo? Indiegogo. Why? Um, it's just that like when it comes to sex toys, I think like people are, people go more to, towards to Indiegogo. Indiegogo. Yeah. Well, I think Indiegogo is more open than sure. than, than, than Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah. It seems like there's a shift just in general. I feel like there's more people going towards Indiegogo. To Indiegogo, I think so too. Yeah, than Kickstarter. Than Kickstarter. Kickstarter is, yeah. Kickstarter is uh, not. It's obviously not dying, but like <laughs> it seems like Indiegogo is more in, innovative and willing to right. work it with the individual, right. um, individual clients. Like I mean, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours who had a pretty big campaign. Like Indiegogo stole him away right. from, from Kickstarter. That's interesting. Um, Okay, so what are the steps you started taking when you, in terms of crowdfunding, like product validation, right. you, know, uh, you know, the actual building of the, ca- right. the campaign, the, the page, the campaign, yeah. yeah, making videos. Yeah, so right. who, again, obviously the, your team, who's responsible for? So we divided, so actually the thing that I haven't told you, um, yeah. we have one more girl, she works in Chengdu, so she's also part of our team yep. in China. You might not know about this. In China, you can also do crowdfunding. So we're yeah, going to do two different crowdfunding. You know about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. So in China, we're going to do crowdfunding in JD and uh, Taobao. Well, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised that you're allowed to. Uh, yes, you can. <laughs> you can, but you can't be too vulgar. And yeah. you, I think in China, you're not allowed to put like um, very... I mean, I'm not sure even like... You can't do that in Facebook either. Like you can't do an ad where it's too vulgar. Yeah. That says you know it's a it's a sex story, you know. But there's way around it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the limitations are. You can't. You can't. And even like for example, companies like Durex who makes condoms, like yep. their Facebook ads has to be directed. Like it's not. It can't be too obvious that you're selling. Well, like it, I mean, if you, I just know from like television ads right. in general. Like whenever they would advertise condoms, they never really showed anything that. Indicated right. it was a, it was like always like <laughs> a dude at a bar sees yeah. a pretty girl, right. Right. she smiles at him, right. and then it cuts to like Durex. Right, exactly. You know? <laughs> like yeah. it, would, it would never be 
Right. Yeah. Just like the same thing with alcohol, they're not allowed to show somebody drinking actual alcohol. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But no, so yeah, so basically we're dividing the team like so one girl is handling that campaign. Like it's a little it's somewhat not it's not too difficult compared to like preparing for Indiegogo. Yeah. Um so uh but we're splitting uh work, me and like the other people, like we're splitting work in Indiegogo, like we're um writing our stories, the timeline, the video, you know, like we do the video together. Um, we did. What else did we do? Um, we start. We're going to start doing our media press actually this week because everything was just finishing. Mm-hmm. And um, once we launch our um, pre-launch page, and we're going to have like our landing page, and we start. Uh, we're trying to start reaching out to like uh, bloggers and um, maybe some article, like article writers, like journalists, right? And we're trying to talk to particularly like sex bloggers and. Um, also the KOLs, like the influencers. Are you sending them, we're going to send them samples? Yeah, we're going to send them like uh, some information. Actually, we can't send samples at this moment yet. Okay. But um, we're going to send them like information, videos, and then like maybe we're going to work out some marketing um, strategy with them. Yeah, some agreement also with them. So then who, who does, who does like, for example, the, the, who creates the pre-launch page? The pre-launch page. So we work on it together. Yeah. Um, basically, Jose came up with like the kind of just like the step-by-step of what we need to make. And then we basically just divide that and, and work then, on it and together. And the video? And the video, we work on it together. Yeah. Like all of us. But who, who's editing the... Who, who's Mark. Mark is doing yeah. the editing. Yeah, of the video. And then you got you got some models for the video? Um, yeah, we kind of did. But uh, some of them, like they're like some models, some of them are like not. Like it, I think he uh, sourced like, it from so, like some... Yeah, some websites where you can. Just oh, so you got pictures. some like stock footage. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was wondering about when I was watching right, the video. Right. I was like, and, you know, some of this stock footage because some of this could be, could be like lingerie, like it could right. be. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. So okay, so it's interesting. So you use the combination of right of, of uh, our own like videos and yeah. also like those things and those things. Okay, that's yeah. cool. I mean, I, I you can't tell by watching it, and you know, yeah. uh, my feedback on the video is that I thought it was too sexual. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I did I did some research, and everybody else says it's fine. All right. <laughs> Compared to, have you looked at? Obviously, you've watched the videos of the other guys, the, the other companies that. Um, no, you know, like the funny thing though, like the other companies, they don't add, they don't advertise so much, and you know, like but when no, I mean I for their campaigns, for their campaigns, right? Like for yeah. the other companies, they didn't make they, any videos. They don't make that many videos. Like one of them actually, um, it's only like the founder, like this lady. She yeah. sit there and she just, she just like, talks hey, about yeah, it. Yeah, like. This is our product. That this is what it does, and blah blah blah. Which wow. I think it's not really fun, right? And she's a little bit older, actually. So we were like, okay, that's not fun. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like I don't know. I feel like we want the product to be, we want this brand to be like fun, you know, like exciting. Mm-hmm. Like when when people think of sex toy, I think people think of something like vulgar and like weird, you know. But it really is not like that. Like, yeah, but you I, know? Who, I don't think. But I don't think that's true. I think I think. Uh, but who, who who's, who's thinking that it's vulgar? I think that people would thought it w- would think it was vulgar, twenty thirty years ago. Twenty thirty years. Yeah, because ago. I, if you think about like the gener, I think the generation of people that started using sex toys was probably in like as in started openly talking right, about sex toys. Right. probably like late nineties, early two thousands. Sure, sure. I think as soon as people could just buy them online and you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I mean I think about <laughs> I, used to, I used to watch. <laughs> I used to watch Sex in the City. Sure. And I remember, you know, the, I mean, the, la- the ladies on the, yeah, the ladies on that show were like what in their late twenties, yes, early thirties, and they used to talk about that kind of stuff. And as a kid, I was like, that's weird. 
Right. And then I think now you you have this generation of women that grew up watching women talk right. about this Talking stuff. About and, these things, and now yeah. they're more comfortable. And I think it's weirder for guys to talk about sex toys. Like I think, <laughs> and you'll be you surprised. Know. You'll be surprised. Well, it's still there's a there's a taboo, and then um, and then I think yeah, then it's it's just becoming more of an open thing. So I don't think, I think so too. I don't think anyone. I don't think there's that many people who think it's vulgar. I think it's more people just don't feel comfortable talking about. Yeah. Sex I mean, in general. Know, except if you know, if they have friends like you and me, <laughs> where we can sit and talk about everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then I'm talking about it on the podcast. That's, <laughs> that's how comfortable I am. For sure. Um, <laughs> we should. Right? I, I'm not going to be a customer, so <laughs> just to hey, make it, excuse just me. to make it clear, you can gift I'll support, it. I'll support the campaign. You can gift, gift it, it but, to someone. Um, okay, so uh, okay, so the campaign launches end of November. Are you doing any sort of paid paid advertising for the for the launch? For the launch, um, no, not yet. Um, but we do. Know, we will use. I think like um, some kind of. I don't know. I forgot the name actually. Like a some kind of like, like backers, like, an, like, like tools, an agency. Yeah, to yeah. help us like manage like the backers and stuff like that. But um, that's so far. And you spoke to. I know you spoke to quite a few people from like Enter China and stuff. Like, did you get you got some good advice from from the network? Yeah. Um, I mean, there are some ideas that I. I guess like that I talk to them about, but like most of them, like most of these things, like I kind of knew already. But mm. I guess the the thing that I told you last time, it was just like when Luke was telling me about how you have to be careful about yep. like choosing the factory and like when you're fulfilling the order and stuff. That kind of got me a little bit more cautious because now really like I start thinking, okay, let me make sure that my factory can perform. Yeah, because I, I mean, okay, so for example, it's not it's not even just about. Whether they're going to be able to deliver, let's say you're, what, right. what, what is your expectation for the campaign? What is your goal? Um, we want to reach about like 20, well, okay, let's say 20 to 30,000 US 20, dollars. 20 to 30,000, right? So like yeah. you're going to the factory and you're saying, okay, what, what is the, the first order is going to be this much. You say, okay, we can do that. Right. But then what happens if, what happens you, if you make 10 times that amount or, you know, right. if your campaign right. really hits and you make $300,000? Is the yeah. factory going to be able to deliver? That, that's yeah. that's that's the biggest issue that a lot of these campaigns yeah. have. Besides the besides the people who are just not aware about manufacturing in China and just kind of find the first factory or think they can find the factory while they're doing the campaign. Right. Like that is, I, I get so surprised when I hear those stories where they're like, "Oh, yeah, we made some samples in the U.S." Um, and then we launched the campaign. Then we started looking for a factory. I'm like, oh my god, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I think that's crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, yo, you have to. You haven't even made a sample with the factory yet. Like, right. Right. And that's how that's how things get delayed. So, I think yeah, the biggest issue is just asking the factory. Okay, if this thing hits, and we come to you with ten times the amount of orders, right. are you going to be able to to, to accomplish that? that? Yeah. yeah. And if I mean, you can't, what are the backup options? You know. Do we have to work with multiple suppliers? To, hey, to, to the backup in? options will be me calling you. <laughs> hey, Rico, <laughs> I need more factories. <laughs> right. Can uh, you please? <laughs> so I can put it on my website. But you know what we call that? We if if that did happen, we call that a champagne problem, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Until you have a bunch of backers like talking, uh, talking shit about about your, your product oh. and how you don't fulfill. Yeah. Oh Lord. That's I mean, sometimes it's like a it's like a past time thing that I do. Like it's a, it's a little, 
little thing that I do in my, my free time is I'll go and I'll see some of these campaigns and I'll just read the, the comments. The comments. From the backers and I'm just like, oh. Damn, right? Like, yeah. Could you imagine? Just, I just think, do you imagine if you got, like, who's that, the coolest cooler? You know about that one? Which is one? Is the biggest, biggest crowdfunding campaign ever. Okay. Um, I think they were on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Basically, he'd actually done a campaign before. The story was, um, the story was, it, it's just cooler. It's a cooler box. Right. Um, he had all this crazy gadgets in the cooler box, right. like charger, Bluetooth speaker. Um, oh my god, I did something like that in college. Yeah, like automatic, <laughs> automatic lime cutter. Right, right. Anything oh, you cool. can imagine that yeah. you might need for a cooler, you know, um, margarita maker. Like oh, a, that's cool. A blender and yeah. all that stuff. So the first campaign he did, I think he asked for. Like a hundred thousand mm. failed. The first oh. campaign he did was like four years ago. So then, what he did was he went back to a drawing board. He actually, I think, he added more gadgets to it, mm-hmm. improved the design so it looked better, and then made a better a better video. So his his video is like very funny and shit. So he he redo the campaign. Yeah, he redid oh, he nice. redid the campaign the next year, and then he asked for he reduced the amount of money he was asking for. I think he ended up asking for like fifty, fifty thousand. Oh, okay. $23 million they made. <gasps> oh my God. So what did he do wrong at the first time? What do you mean? What did he do wrong? Like, well, you can see, like if you go and look at his first campaign, um, the the design of the product looked clunky. I see. Like so it looked a little bit. He actually changed the He changed product. the design. He changed the, he, cha- he tweaked the design. He made it look cooler. Right. Um, and really the biggest thing was that his video and the way he explained the product and the usage of the product right. was very like, Hitting the right market, it was fun. Right. It was summer, yeah. like he had. It was a funny video. Right. His personality really, really shone like, through, yes. and um, and then it just went viral. I think it, the video went viral. People liked the product, right. and it and was 20, order, 20 something yeah. million, you know, twenty something million that he raised. But cut to three years later, I think he's only fulfilled ten percent or twenty percent. No, of, of how those is backers. that? How did that happen? Lots of different stuff. They underestimate when you have a product that you're making for the first time, it's always more expensive than you think it's going to be. That is true. Then when you have a product that you're making for the first time that has a margarita maker, Bluetooth speaker. Right. Well, these are all different products. Sure. And these all require molds. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just all different products, different molds, different factories, and you have to coordinate all that stuff. For the first time doing that, so it's fucking impossible. Yeah. It it could have, it can be done if the order was smaller, but then now you're asking you're asking a factory to start making a product that's, it's like if you're not Apple and then you're trying to launch an iPhone and buy yeah. a million iPhones yeah. first time around, it's not going to work out. Right. Because oh, Apple has the money scary. to, before they launched the first iPhone, they probably made a million iPhones. Right. Before they even started selling it. You know right. what I mean? So they worked through those problems right. with the factories. Um, and, and then and then they were able to actually provide a, a solid quality product. Whereas, so with this guy, he started doing it, and then they ran out of money. They ran out of money in the in the development phase with the wow, factory. That's crazy. And then he started selling the product on Amazon to to try to make money to to give back to the backers. To the and backers. I think, I don't know what's happened since that time. I think wow, they might still crazy. be doing it, but yeah, yeah, no. But it's just one of those like it's a perfect case study of like what could go wrong. Yeah, is you have. <laughs> Yeah. You have, he overpromised because he made a product that was so complicated and it was his first Like product. how did he, also oh, he came up with his own like prototype basically. Yeah, he had a prototype. He had a couple of prototypes that he'd made. I think he made them himself. I see. Um, I oh, think, wow. 
I think, and also, you know, maybe he worked with the, he well, he had worked with the factory, but then he, again, he was going to the factory saying, okay, our first order is going to be like 5,000 units. Right. Or, or right. whatever the number was. But it yeah. wasn't, our first order is going to be 2 million <laughs> units. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like the factory probably didn't even have the capacity to make. Right. To that make those, much. Yeah, yeah. To make that much. So then. Yeah, no, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just, you have to be careful, especially mm-hmm. with the first time around, especially working with the factory first time around, because it could break your business, you know, like you, you're you using Kickstarter to launch your business and then mm-hmm. it just launches and goes down immediately. Right, um, right. Um, so what are your plans for, if you launch the campaign, you make 30K, what happens next? So basically what we're going to do, we're going to, well, it's going to take, what, like two, three months, right? Before we fulfill those orders. Okay. Um, after that, we're thinking about working with some distributors. I've talked to some people actually in different countries to see if we can market these products through like online sex toy uh, companies and also the physical sex toy companies. Um, we're also going to sell it through our websites. So that's going, I mean, it's going to be available. But at the same time, um, I think we are already uh, focusing also in our next project. So we're going to have this product, right? This is our first product, Moli. Okay. Um, and then we're, we're also thinking about coming up with the next um, product after that. So we're going to do distribution. I mean, hopefully, right? Everything is going to go fine. So we're going to have distributors for our first product. And we're going to do like research throughout this time also and build our next product right away. Okay. Yeah. So the, the idea is just to hit the ground running and then right because we have like we literally have like goals and we have like some vision as in like okay so now we have this one first product we chose this first product because I think it's the product that most people need and then the next product is going to be something else. So um, is the next product going to be something that's complementary to the current product or it's just um, it's going to be yeah it's going to be something that's complementary to this first product we're still deciding if we're still going to do product for women or if we're actually going to try to cater more to the male mm-hmm. you know because that because I mean it's it's going to be equal right men and women um, but at the same time we're also looking into like in the in the near future we're looking into working together with like VR like the virtual reality and also like some websites that can so is that sort of like the, the, the five year plan is yeah. you want to be virtual yes. reality right so yes so we're, we're focusing really in the R&D in the research and development like we want to go through like this whole like artificial intelligence like we're focusing on building this whole like teledildonics future because mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of um, opportunity there and I think there's not too many players in that market yeah I don't know why I think people I don't know if people well, don't just, think about a, it people well, are, it's, it's a taboo subject like it, it's I just, think that's what it is that's the thing is most people don't want to they don't want to attach their face to to, to something to like the that. sex industry yeah but I mean you industry. know like actually so when before I did this business I was really I was never really into these things but once I started doing more research I realized there's so much interest, yep. you know, and people really do need these products. And these products don't look scary or bulky or vulgar the way it used to anymore. You know, like the products looks cute. You know, like these products, you can carry them. People wouldn't, people wouldn't even notice what it was. You know what I mean? Come <laughs> uh, on. And you know, like oh there's, and you know, like there, there, there is that thing about like, you I know. I can't believe I'm doing this podcast. Why not? Like you have like a long day and you're tired. You know, you have nothing else to do. You want to please yourself, you know. Yeah. Why not? Uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> Have you watched the TV show Maniac? No, which it's, one? It's is a that? Netflix show. Mm-hmm. You should watch it. I think it would be the second episode or something like that. Second or third episode. 
There's a scene that just I thought of when you were talking. There's a scene where uh, this girl, spoilers to anybody that hasn't watched Maniac, but <laughs> there's a scene where the, one of the scientists goes to find her partner, right. who's also a scientist, and she needs his help with something that's going wrong. And she walks into his apartment. <laughs> and there's a scene where it's like he's in a virtual reality world <laughs> and he's like on some, he's like in a, in a giant hot tub by a cliff. And he's like making out with some virtual reality, like half oh, human, half oh, alien, octopus, <laughs> alien. And she's calling him like King Xandor. Oh or some, my god! But you see, that's nonsense. the future, right? And then, and then, so then he starts, you know, doing whatever with the, right. with the I, with like alien. really, like it's the future. But they cut to like the scene of her walking because he's in the virtual reality <laughs> thing, right? So he's like King Xandor in the virtual. He's having a good time with this alien, and then she cuts to. <laughs> The scene of him actually in the apartment was him naked with a VR set and then some fucking contraption around his junk. And he's just going going to going to town. Yeah. Isn't that <laughs> kind of funny? Just, yeah, it was just yeah. it was hilarious. But you know, like that's the craziest thing. I think like a lot of people have all these crazy imaginations. And like in the past, yep. it's impossible to make them happen. And now you can. You can yeah. have all of them. Yeah, yeah. You can either it can either bring you closer to your partner if you're traveling or mm-hmm. even just in general, or you know, you can f- f- fulfill all the Ridiculous fantasies. Right. But another thing also, I think, like for these toys, right? Like, okay, so one way to use it, you can use it with your partner. Another way to use it actually nowadays, what I realize is like a lot of people use it with, okay, some people, not everybody can get a partner. All right. So like some people like to be at home and they don't really want to find partners. So they would, you know, they would probably talk to someone online, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and these toys can be used for that too. Or like, for example, if you, go, like, if you meet someone through an app, like, literally, there is actually already this thing, like, an app that connects to, like, a toy, right? I think Omibot came up with something like that, right? So, like, a, like a, you connect to a random person, and right. they have exactly. the toy, and then... Exactly, then you can actually so play with like it. Tinder, our toy can be... Tinder yeah. for sex toys. Exactly, and our toy can actually be used for that, too. So, you can work, you can play with strangers that have the same toy. Okay. I mean, the, the app, right? Okay. Yeah. So, okay, that seems like it's a five-year plan. It sounds solid. Yes. Uh, what do you think is the smallest thing you guys have done as a team that's brought you the largest results? Um, honestly, I think it's the, it's the weekly meeting. We have like a weekly meeting like yeah. that we do like once a week. Yeah. And um, we have this guy who, uh, we have Jose. So he, he is like the CEO slash the COO slash like the organizer. Yep. So basically, he is like our mother. Like he always makes sure that everybody does their job. So I think the thing that we do that I that I like is like every week we will meet and we will say, okay, so what did we do last week, each of us, and then yep. what will we do next week? So if there is something that is delayed or there is something that is lagging, you know, like then you can talk to each other and say, hey, like what's going on? Like is there some some problem? Like can anyone help you? You know, and then like mm-hmm. what's next? So that way you keep organized. You stay organized, right? Because if you don't have that, I think then you kind of get lost. Like, have you done yeah, that? Yeah, you, you got to be that? able to track whether you're actually making progress. Um, it's the right. same reason why we used to do, or we do uh, knocks, like the mastermind stuff. And then and then as within my business, obviously we do masterminds, but there's a book that you should read um, and, and I get, the whole team should read called uh, Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. Okay. And it basically talks about how 
you know, Rockefeller was able to build a company where everybody was aligned in their visions, even oh, though really? even though the company was gigantic and there's so many employees, everybody was aligned on it. And, and it talks about how you you create the structures for right. meetings. And so the daily, the weekly, the quarterly, the monthly, the yearly, like right. yeah, it, it gives you all the, the structures and how everything fits together. Okay. So I kind of took that system and implemented it into, into my business and it's, you know, I was doing, when I first started, we were doing daily and weekly. And then because I read that book, it gave me the, the frame to, to create the, the quarterly meetings as well. Right, right. And then also just setting like goals that your, your staff can set or your team can set. That daily goals, like daily goals that lead into weekly, that lead into monthly, that lead monthly, into quarterly. Yeah. Actually, that's, um, that's what Carl taught me. Yeah, and he which, told which I told them. him to read yeah. the Mastering the Rockefeller yeah. Habits. So it's one of those books where you, you're, you're going to go back to it like every few months. Like right. it's, I go right. back to it constantly okay. yeah. to, to refresh. It and, down. Yeah. Um, and it's good to get started early. I mean, right now, I mean, I don't think when you're first getting started and it's just the team, the five, you don't necessarily need to do all of those meetings because it's more mm-hmm. just about execution. Right. And getting stuff done, but then definitely once you go like six months out, a year, month, a year, and you start to maybe hire some people, right? Then, right. then that's when you really need to, to have those systems in place. Right. So, speaking of that, what are three books, podcasts, blogs that you read or listen to? Okay, I don't really, I don't really actually listen to podcasts. I right. need to start. I know. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, you know, it's I just, just have no time. Just one of the fastest growing mediums in right, the planet. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, no rush, Leonie. <laughs> no rush. But um, yeah, for um, for books, I read a lot of different type of books. Actually, depends on like my mood. Yeah. Interestingly, okay, I know a lot of people won't think this way about me because I don't came off that way. But I do read a lot of like spirituality related book like it's kind of weird right but like yeah. for me when I was younger like I was really yeah um, we always she's always constantly telling me about star signs and isn't that a little bit strange but no it's not really actually it's not really about that like I don't know if you've uh, heard about this book The Power of Now by Eckhart yeah. Tolle yeah Eckhart Tolle so that was like one of my favorite favorite book the reason why I think it's good it's not so much about the spirituality thing but I've always been really like worried like about everything like in life Right, just like, oh, what's gonna happen? Oh my God, this project failed. Oh my God, like this is not happening the way I want it to. Um, so when I read that book, actually, it kind of opened up my mind on like how you can control like the way you think so you don't focus on like the future or the past because they don't exist. Yep. And I think that really works and it really helps at work because when you're doing work and you're worrying so much or like you, you think so much about something that happened in the past, right? Like it's really, it, it doesn't help at all. Like you can't try to relive the past glory and you can't actually try to like, you know, worry about what's going to happen next. So yeah. that was one book that I really, really like. Um, I read, uh, what do I read? Uh, the classic Napoleon Hill, right? Think and Grow Rich. I like that one too. And I like the way he, he, he writes the book. Actually, it's really, it's like a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, what else do I read? I haven't read so much these days, actually. Like, because I've been working on this project, I read a lot of, like, sex blogs, interestingly. I read a lot of, like, um, like uh, just, like, sex product-related, like, articles and stuff like that. Because previously, this, is, this was not my industry, like, before that. Um, yeah, but I do watch a lot of, like, documentaries. In the past, I, I watched about, like, I watched about Rockefeller 
yeah. and and um and how he started this whole like oil um business right and then how the US actually became like the leader yeah yeah so i think for me like i just read things that really pique my interest um when i yeah when i met you well when i met you and carl and stuff like he actually told me to read some other books mm-hmm. yeah like for our work week and stuff like that yeah yeah the classics. Um, right. I think that's it. If people want to find you, where could they reach out to you? Um, you can just reach us through the email, right? We have um, this. I'll give it to you after. I think it's it's support at levatch.com. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, or info, info at levatch.com. And uh, also we have a landing page. If you guys want to like send or like write down your email, we will update you with the launch of the products and our future products. You know. So the pre-launch in the Google page. Yes, and yeah, their pre-launch Indiegogo page also. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's it. Thanks for being on the podcast. And if Thank you guys you. want to reach out to me, it's podcast at sourcefindasia.com. Sourcefindasia.com slash made in China is where you'll find the show notes. And of course, check out the YouTube channel, Source Find Asia. Cheers. Watch it fall slowly